Hello, welcome to Tales from the Albright, a podcast by the Scranton Public Library. Hello everyone, today we are continuing our series of histories of the other libraries in Lackawanna County. And today we are here at the Dalton Community Library. And would you like to introduce yourselves? Hi, my name is Katherine Durkin and I'm Circulation Coordinator. I'm Susan Scandris. I'm the Assistant Director. How did the Dalton Community Library form? In early 1948, Mrs. Willard Hiller, Dalton President of the Women's Club, appointed a committee of club members to initiate steps towards establishment of a public library in the borough of Dalton. Through the efforts of this small group of women, books were collected by requesting donations, a library room was rented, cataloged, and shelving began. Also, a board of directors was organized, and in April 1948, Dalton Community Library opened its doors. Mrs. Paul Van Fleet, chairman of the original Women's Club, became the first president of the board of directors, serving until her death in 1973. She was succeeded by vice president, Mrs. Emmett Kearney. The library had to be housed in half of a small building owned by Bella Krupas, whose shoe repair was on the other side original rent was $18 per month. And in 1959, in order to have more space for the holdings, the boards rented larger quarters in a building owned by Don Westcott, two doors down from the original spot. When the library opened in 1948, a total of 1,378 volumes, not counting sets of books and encyclopedias, were on the shelves. The number increased month by month, and during the first year grew to 3180, which seems remarkable. And by 1975, the collection included over 9,300 volumes plus 1,000 paperbacks. There were also a supply of magazines, recordings, maps, pamphlets, and circulation in 1975 was 7552. The first 28 years, 1948 to 1975, we find many reoccurring, no, I would say problems, that we needed to overcome. One was we needed more space. The next was we needed more volunteers. And also there was a great need for a paid librarian. And last but not least, a need for a separate building. From the onset, the library received a stipend from the borough council, but most operating expenses were accumulated through fundraisers and annual drives. In 1949, 362.75 were raised, and then by 1975, 23.53 was raised. The early years of the library, there were many stumbling blocks. Uh, problems of janitorial service, no one wanted to clean, there was no one eager for the job that paid $2 to clean the library. And of course, there was always a need for more volunteers, additional space, and yearning for space, a paid librarian, and a separate library building that could be open at least five days a week. The blessings that we certainly had were the amount of volunteers and solicitors that would donate things, also vast amounts of monetary donations, checks in memory of a loved one or someone who loved books, and also the amazing gift of goods itself coal, like a ton of coal, like a quart of paint, uh, a desk, a typewriter, always books, or even a rubber stamp. 
Without the faith and encouragement from the community, the institution would not have survived. And no one person can be really singled out, but it does seem right to give particular accommodation to Mrs. Paul Van Fleet, the chairman of the original women's club, and actually she was the first board president for 25 years. Another person would be Mrs. Evelyn Matthews, retired state librarian, who was chief advisor and worker in early days and served as librarian from 1961 to 1964. Mrs. Walter Lippent, librarian 48 to 1961, and Mrs. Frederick J. Plant, who succeeded Miss Matthews in 1964. In 1976, there were still three charter members of the board, and since 1973, the board has also two associate members from the Lackawanna Trail student body. Each year, a member of the junior class is appointed for a two-year term, thus a junior and senior attend board meetings and represent the young people's point of view. Okay. When did the library move to this location, and what is the story behind that? Okay, as one reads over the minutes of board meetings from August 1975, when only one month's notice, the rent rose from $80 to $150 a month. Gosh. So it was definitely time to think about a new building. And until the signing of a contract to build in July of 1978, it is apparent that the choices for the survival of the library were gradually limited to one. As rental fees continued to increase during these times, it was evident that more and more money had to be raised in order to have left anything left for buying books. By early 1978, however, when the problem of meeting rent costs for these quarters no longer existed, for the owner, Mr. Paul Yasinskis, had finally notified the board that he needed the space for his own expanding grocery business. The library had to be moved. He offered to erect on his property next to the Dalton Bank a building for the library to rent. At first it sounded like a great idea, but as the board members considered more carefully their position, they decided that they should begin plans for their own building. Meanwhile, for more than a year, several board members had been commissioned to investigate several vacant lots as suitable and affordable sites for a library building. It was felt that the location should be as close to the center of town as possible, at least 125 feet by 125 feet, within proper zoning and reasonably priced. And of the few lots available, the one most desirable in every feature, except size, was on East Main Street just east of the intersection of Main Street and South Turnpike Road. This piece of ground with an abandoned dwelling on it belonged to Mrs. Bruce Ritter, a former resident of Dalton and the widow of a charter member of the board. In 1975, it was decided to enter into contract to purchase this piece from Mrs. Ritter at a price of $5,000. And consequently, when the decision to build was reached in the summer of 1977, the land for the building was ready and waiting. The board had to appeal for lifting of two ordinances, and these appeals were successful. And to reduce cost, a request for waiving certain government standards for the use of a public buildings by the handicap had to be made. Finally, in order to take on the responsibility of the building, it was necessary that the library become incorporated. This step also necessitated a revision of the bylaws. Once it was clear that the library had to vacate the premises occupied for 20 years, the foremost question was, where do we go? It was the business of lending books to continue during 
the anticipated 18 to 24 months before a building could be ready. Temporary quarters were sought and found in the rear of a newly remodeled and renovated Dalton House. The library sign, which had hung over Main Street, was moved to East Main, and they served as an interim shelter and headquarters from the summer of 1977 until November of 1978. In that month, hardworking volunteers moved the books once more, not only those at the Dalton House, but many others stored at the Pius X Cemetery. There was certainly great satisfaction in taking these boxes into permanent quarters when the beautiful new structure was built. But before that happened, the building had to be designed and then constructed. And one of the first steps was to find an architect. It happened that a young man, Mr. David Hemmler, of the firm Long Hemmler & Cad, had become resident of Dalton. He expressed an interest in the project and eventually was hired. His drawings for the new building were received with great interest and enthusiasm, and it was apparent that he had made maximum and imaginative use of small lot. As a whole, the structure combined an air of openness along with an efficient use of dimensions, and once the design had been approved, the construction had to be set into motion. The lowest bid was accepted, and DJ Race Construction Company was accepted and the work began in August of 1978. It took great courage and faith for the board to sign a contract for construction of the building before the fund drive to pay for it had been finally planned, let alone successfully completed. Fortunately, there was a nest egg in the form of a savings account established and enlarged with whatever extra dollars the board could salt away from the years of the 50s through the 70s. This fund had been augmented by some revenue sharing funds from Lackawanna County and the Dalton Borough Council. Added to these monies was an initial anonymous gift of more than $12,000, which helped create necessary confidence. For more than a year, minutes of the board meetings that included the name of Sid Benjamin, a Dalton resident and well-known newspaper man, and as an excellent choice for the chairman of the momentous fundraising campaign, Mr. Benjamin agreed, and in the summer of 1978, to accept this challenge and immediately planned what proved to be a rigorous, effective, and successful campaign. In early September of 1978, letters announcing the drive were set out to some 500 area residents. Meanwhile, more than 80 residents were asked to serve as house-to-house -house solicitors. I was one of those. I did Church Street. Oh. We had just moved into town in 76. And so I thought, yeah. it needs a library, so yeah, I worked Church Street. Oh, wow. <laughs> and, and just an interesting side note, uh, we have a bridge group that comes in here on Tuesdays. And she and her husband mentioned that when she was pregnant, which she's not, she's much older now, um, she and her husband helped move some of the books. Oh, wow. Yeah, That's they awesome. used their own truck and helped move some of the books. And it's yeah. interesting to have the little tidbits, you yeah. know. Yeah, it's such an integral part of the story with the community. So most of these worked in teams of two. The solicitors, together with the various chairmen and the board members, met at a kickoff breakfast in the Fellowship Hall of the Dalton Methodist Church on Saturday, September 16th. This happy, lively meeting generated a great deal of enthusiasm, especially as over scrambled eggs and coffee and sweet rolls, the volunteers heard the details of the drive. Mr. Benjamin announced that the goal of the drive was $50,000 and he stressed that since most Dalton residents were accustomed to contributing only a few dollars each autumn to the annual drive for maintaining the library, the first task of the volunteer was to establish the need for each family to contribute a much larger amount. 
and in order to encourage larger amounts, the board had decided not to hold the usual drive in either 78 or 79. Moreover, the donors would make pledges spread their donations in four parts over the two-year period. Mr. Benjamin also announced that at the September 16th breakfast that the first report meeting would be following evening with the final one on September 30th. Although the volunteers gasped when they heard that the first report would be due the next day, they managed to raise about $7,000 in 24 hours. That's amazing. In this small town it is. At the final report meeting on September 30th, however, the total raised missed the goal by approximately the same amount. Even so, the more than 40000 in gifts and pledges represented a singular achievement for such a small community. Volunteers reported that they were invariably well-received and that much interest had been created by the building already under construction and that most families had dramatically, generously, and enthusiastically increased their usual contributions. Subsequent to the final report meeting, additional donations brought the total to $57,822 which was terrific because what was the original goal 50 50,000 that's it's amazing yeah and what community support really builds all of the interest in all of the fundraising and then we got the participation in the library too yes <laughs> <laughs> having worked here i've seen a lot of the people and people that are now grandparents mm-hmm. when they brought their kids to start with and then their kids brought their kids yes. it's been exciting Uh, The community had taken great pride in this achievement, and they were delighted with the attractive, pleasant building designed for the maximum use of space and the most efficient arrangement of books and reading areas. There was a profound satisfaction in knowing that the residents of the community were able to raise money by their own efforts to have the building debt-free even before it was completed. Which is amazing. (laughs) It's unheard of today. (laughs) Yeah. Dalton pats itself on the back for having constructed a public building through the contributions of its citizens without a penny from federal or state grants. And all this delight was evident on Sunday, January 14, 1979, when the board of directors were host at an open house for the volunteers. As they walked around the main level of the building and asked each other, was it possible the facilities had been open for use on January 8th after many hours had been spent shelving and readying everything for the pleasure and instruction of local readers. The delight continues to be seen each week as children race into the building as soon as school is out. As this account is being written, we are all waiting for spring and summer when the glass doors will be open and we can move outside into the courtyard to enjoy the books. As it is the 40th anniversary of the Lackawanna County Library System, how did Dalton become involved? The library became a part of Abington, Carbondale, Scranton, and Taylor, which became Lackawanna County Library System. And in 1985, North Pocono and then Innerboro, later Valley, joined where each library ended up having their own board of directors and of president, vice president, secretary, and treasurer. And then as the years went by, um, updates were made. In 1995, they updated the computer system. In 1997, public internet was introduced. The 1995 computer automation updated and streamlined the catalog, circulation, and interlibrary loan system for a better, faster service for the whole community. In 2011, our children's room was renovated with memorial funds used from a young patron that had passed away. She had been coming since she was little, little, little. Mm-hmm. And um, she had, when they had a little boy, they'd bring the two of them 
and she was very active in the library. And then uh, she was 16, and the family decided to give the memorial funds from people that mm-hmm. sent their money in to give it to the library. If you, if you haven't seen it, take a look. Uh, we've got two patrons. They are patrons. Husband and wife. Husband and wife team that are both artists. Oh, And wow. they painted oh, yeah, a yeah. whole wall as a mural. And uh, the little kids come in and they're just, ooh and ah. Yeah. And then you say, can you count the animals? And it's amazing how many little critters that couple put into the mural for the kids. So what are your current services? What are ideas for future programs? What are you anticipating coming up within the next year? Well, we have our summer reading like all the other Lackawanna County libraries. We have a story hour weekly um, and also have a young adult program which uh, we have a chess club. They play Chinese checkers and kind of mind expanding games. Uh, We have a weekly bridge group that come every Tuesday, not during the summer, but during the rest of the months. Uh, We have a monthly Saturday Spotlight book discussion group. Uh, Both men and women are Mm -hmm. part of that. It's not just a women's clique. Yeah. (laughs) We also have a group which is Friends of the Library, so you might want to expand a little. Well, the Friends of the Library is a separate organization. We're not actually part of the library. But our function is to raise funds to have available for special projects or equipment or supplies that the library would need that is not part of the normal budget. And we do have a book and bake sale in the spring and the fall. And this year we also had a flower fundraiser that went pretty well. That's fun. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Kind of as the last thing, what is your favorite part of working in community library? Peace and quiet. (laughs) Oh, I'm, I'm going to say the patrons. I enjoy I enjoy finding books for people and for children. If someone needs a book for a report or mm-hmm. just someone needs, and I, I like to read, so I enjoy that. I have to say probably the patrons. And helping the people find answers mm-hmm. is the old joke. You want to know something, ask a librarian. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We've been asked all kinds of things, but... Uh, at one point, I had thought I'd like to be a research librarian just because I enjoy hunting and looking. Mm-hmm. And Catherine and I do a pretty good teamwork trying to find people books. They ask for something, and she'll look, and I'll look, and we'll help each other find the book that the patrons want. Sue's been here like 25 years, so <laughs> she knows a lot of books. Yeah. <laughs> and I've been here just four, but I've read all my life. Yeah. <laughs> It's the classic, like, somebody walks in and it's, I need a book with a blue cover that has a bird on it. Yes. <laughs> and then figuring out from there. Yeah. Or even a little bit of a title. Mm-hmm. And they're always so happy when you found yes. it, you know? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> and then it's a sense of accomplishment on the librarian end of, they actually managed to find that. Right. And when and the kids walk in and they discover the little hidden treasures like I mentioned about the mural mm-hmm. or our uh, sneaky snake yeah. I don't I don't think you saw the snake when you came in no <laughs> it's a eight foot paper mache snake that was created in summer library program yeah. anyways the, the kids had created it and it's hanging up in our ceiling oh wow and kids will come in and they'll go oh, mommy <laughs> I want to play with it 
there's lots of things about working at the library, but peace and quiet, yes. I taught school for years, and it's so much quieter. Well, thank you both for agreeing to be on the podcast. Do you want to say how people can contact you? Well, uh, our director, Sue Q, mm-hmm. is available four days. We're only open four days. Yeah. We're open Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. But Sue isn't available on Saturdays. If there's just general questions of the time we're open, they can call the library, um, 570-563-2014. And then um, on the county library page, under Dalton Library, there's also listed other ways that you can contact the library. Through Facebook also. We have a Facebook page. That sounds great. Hi, everyone. I just wanted to take a moment to add some additional information that I learned from talking with Sue, the director of the Dalton Community Library, after Catherine, Susan, and I recorded the podcast episode on the history of the Dalton Community Library. The paper mache snake that Susan talks about, the children making during one of their summer programs, is located as soon as you walk in the front door of the Dalton Community Library and look straight up into the ceiling and it is there and it's very colorful and it's great. I absolutely loved it. Sue let us know that the snake was named Longfellow after Henry Wadsworth Longfellow, the American poet, which is absolutely adorable because snakes are long and cute and I understand why some people are afraid of them, but they can be adorable, especially when it's a paper mache one painted by children. So be sure to look for it next time you're at the Dalton Community Library. Thank you again to Catherine and Susan for agreeing to be on Tales from the Albury and recording the episode with me. Another thank you to Sue for agreeing to allow me to come to Dalton to tell the history of their library. If anyone has any questions, comments, suggestions, or needs a refresher on the contact information for the Dalton Community Library, you can contact me at aloney at albright.org. That is A-L-O-N-E-Y at albright.org. Or feel free to call the Albright Memorial Library at 570-348-3000, and we will help you get in contact with them. As always, thank you for listening, and I hope you enjoyed this episode. (laughs) 